God is love. So true, so simple, but yet so profound. And that's what today is all about. You know, Valentine's Day, we celebrate maybe by watching the Hallmark Channel, if you like that kind of thing. Not my cup of tea, but Sherry loves it. Um, Or you go out to dinner, you get a nice heart for your sweetheart. All those wonderful things that we do to show everyone that we love them. Um, God shows his love in a very powerful way. The cross. The cross of Christ is a symbol of God's love for us. And we're going to learn about that today. I, I love this Sunday. I like getting little candies. And if you haven't got a candy from me, I'll make sure before you leave today that you get some, uh, some candy and let you know that you are loved, you are appreciated. I, I love seeing all the red. Although I was telling my cues earlier, I thought for sure I would see a lot of scarlet and gray here today. This would have been the one Sunday I would have been like, oh, I think Andy's got it. All right. So this is the one Sunday where I, I will see the scarlet and gray and smile because it is a you are love Sunday. But, uh, but it, it's, it's a great way to remember the love that God has for us. And this morning we're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. So let's stand for the reading of God's word. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. The Apostle John, who's, who wrote the book of Revelation that we've been studying all this time, and we are taking a brief hiatus from the seven churches of Revelation to focus on God's love today. But let me read this to you. John says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God is in them. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Help your people to hear that you are love and help us to live out that love each and every day of our life. We ask this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, love is something that I think is really misunderstood in today's society. You see, to me, love is a treasure that this world cheapens. People fall in love, and then they fall out of love. They kind of say, oh, I love this, but then they, they say, they'll say, I love the Buckeyes, which is great, but they use that very same word to say, I love my spouse, with that very same word that we use for the Buckeyes. And believe me, I love Sherry much more than I love the Buckeyes. So we cheapen this word love when it's a treasure. In fact, Paul kind of talks about this. The one thing about love that we know is that it's eternal. It endures. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Paul says, for there are three things that endure, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I loved it when I went to the parsonage yesterday and I saw this beautiful clock on the wall. And that scripture is on that clock in the parsonage. And it just reminds me, that love is eternal. It is in something that endures. It's something that needs to be treasured. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but in the summertime, I do enjoy going to an occasional garage sale. I'm not as good as Larry and Dorothy. I know you guys are really good at garage sales, but I like to go maybe not necessarily to buy things. I just like to look and see what people are selling. I'd much rather go to a garage sale than host a garage sale. We've had a couple of garage sales in our house, and they never go as planned. So 
I, I enjoy when the summer is nice going out to a garage sale. There was a family that went to a garage sale and they found a bowl that was for $3, $3. And you might think, well, that's a little expensive. You know, I mean, it's just a bowl. Uh, it's something that Evan would eat Wheaties in every day. You know, nothing really fancy, just an ordinary bowl. What's interesting is when they bought this $3 bowl, they took it and they had it appraised. And it actually came from the Northern Song Dynasty in China. And there was only one other bowl like it in the British Museum. So that $3 bowl that they got at the garage sale ended up selling at auction for $2.2 million. Because someone saw the value of that bowl. A lot of times we use the word love carelessly. We fall in and out of love. We cheapen love when it is a priceless treasure that God gives each of us to share with one another like we do today, but to also receive from him as well. My hope today is as we look at these scriptures that we realize love is priceless. It's eternal. It's precious. It's a treasure and should be, it's worth far more than $2.2 million dollars. It's time for us to rediscover discover the value and the preciousness of love. When you realize how valuable love is, is when you realize where it comes from. And the Bible is clear. Love comes from God. We saw it, we see it twice in the Bible. One verse is 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then the verse that we read, uh, 1 John chapter 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So what does it really mean to say God is love? You see, John is not simply saying that God loves us, although that's true. He loves us. But when he says God is love, it goes beyond that. He's saying that the very essence of God's character is love. God himself is love. It's not just one of God's attributes. Love is who God is. It, he is the one who defines true love. If you want to see true love, agape love, love that is self-sacrificing, look no further than God. He is the source of all true love. And the question that I want us to grapple with today is, what does this mean? What does it mean to say simply, God is love? Three simple words that have a profound effect on our life and our future. Well, the first thing is, God is love without condition. God is love without condition. When you look at this world and the way it looks at love, there's a lot of conditions. I love you if you're tall and good looking. See, I, I can never measure up to that. I love you if you make a lot of money. I love you if you're really funny. I love you if you're really intelligent. That's what the world says. I love you when you clean the house. I love you when you uh, give me gifts or give me candy on Valentine's Day. I love you when, that's what the world says. And then of course, 
I love you because you're strong and good-looking. I love you because you're beautiful and lovely. I love you because you make me happy. That's what the world says. Here's what God says. I love you, period. I love you. I love you if you're short and kind of skinny. I love you if you don't make a lot of money. I love you even what all your faults, all your weaknesses. I love you. And that's what God is. God is love without condition. He loves you because that his very nature is love itself. God loves you. And growing up in the church, I, I have to admit, I struggled with this. Because when you understand how profound this is, it means that God loves you and there's nothing we can do to cause God to love us. See, I grew up in a church that said, well, if you cut your hair short, um, if you did all the right things, said the right things, read your Bible, prayed, then God would love you more. No, no, that's not it. God loves you and you cannot cause him to love you any more than he does now. God loves you because he is love. And the flip side is true as well. And this is something we struggle with. There is nothing we can do to prevent God from loving us. Now, you automatically think, well, what about sin? Sin has consequences. Sin separates us from God. And when we sin, it breaks God's heart. But make no mistake, when you sin, God does not love you any less. God loves you, period. He is love. There's nothing you can do to cause him to love you more, and there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you any less. We do those things like read our Bible and pray because we love God, but that doesn't impact his love for us. It helps us to grow in his love. And God loves us because he chooses to love us. God loves us because God is love. Such a powerful revelation. And like I said, in my young mind growing up, I got this stuff confused. I thought if I did certain things, God would love me more. No, God loves you because he is love. He loves you because he loves you. And that is such an important thing for us to know. The Bible confirms this. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though a good person, someone might dare to die, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So get that picture. When I was rejecting God, when I was turning my back on God, when I was living my life just completely self-centered and doing my own thing in sin, God loved me. He loved me so much, he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for me. I have a one and only son, and I love you guys, but I don't know if I'd be willing to give Evan's life for you. But God did it because he loved you. While you were in sin, while you were the prodigal running away from the farm, God sent Christ to die for you. That is, God is love without condition without condition. It doesn't matter what we do, he will always love us. And that gives us to our second point. God is love without end. 
without end. There is no end of God, with God's love. I, as we've been studying the book of Revelation, one of the revelations I've had in this book is that phrase, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And what that really means as we've been studying it is that God is eternal. I love Revelation 1.8. Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. You see, we as humans divide time in the past, present, and future. God does not live in those categories. He is I am. He's not I was. He's not I will be. He is I am because he is eternal. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So if God is eternal and God is love, then it makes sense that his love for us is eternal as well. We cannot do anything to stop him from loving us. He loved us before time began. He will love us even after time ends. His love is eternal. And if you don't believe me, take the word of Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God's love is everlasting. It is It was here before time began. Even before you were born, God loves you. And even after you're long gone, God will continue to love you for all eternity. His love is everlasting. The last thing is, God is love without limits. So God is love without condition. God is love without end. And God is love without limits. I've met so many people and maybe you fall into this category, that you say, well, God could never love me after what I have done. See, that's that old mindset that I had even, where I thought, well, if I sinned, God would love me less. No, God could never love me after what I have done. So many people believe that. We need to jettison that mindset because that's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God's love is constant in its faithfulness. It's continual in its expression. We as humans put limits on God's love. We put it in a box, but God's love is unlimited for us. We sang about it today. I I love the hymn that we sang, Uh, the love of God. These words are some of the most poetic, beautiful words. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain that ocean of ink dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. He shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. God's love is unlimited. It has no limits. You cannot exhaust the love of God because it is in such full and measureless supply. And if you don't like the hymn writer's words, look at the words of Paul. But God, being rich in mercy, remember mercy is not treating us like we deserve. You know, If it was me and I sinned against me, I would be upset with that. I would be mad. I would be punishing. 
but God's rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, receiving something you don't deserve and none of us deserve grace. By grace, you have been saved. You see, God's love is so vast. It is so measureless. It is unlimited. His great love provides us mercy and grace and gives, makes us alive even when we are dead in our trespasses. God's love is without limit. You know, I, I think of, of Jesus and his disciples. And if you've ever studied the Gospels and you look at how Jesus deals with his disciples, I, I think I would have got very frustrated if I was Jesus. Think about this. Thomas doubted Jesus. That, I mean, he, he'd been with them for three years, seen all the miracles, and he still doubted his resurrection. Peter denied Jesus three times once again. This is the guy who says, even if everyone else falls away, I will die with you, Jesus. And within an hour or two, he denies Jesus three times. Judas betrayed Jesus. In fact, the disciples, when Jesus was in his hour of need in Gethsemane, he asked them to pray for just an hour. And what did the disciples do? They fell asleep. They fell asleep. And then while Jesus was agonizing about the cross and its implications, do you know what the disciples were doing? They were in a room arguing about which one of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. Now, if this was Ed Simons, I would have been so upset. How could you do this? Why are you doing this? But Jesus corrected them at times, but never did he stop loving them. In fact, if you read John chapter 13, verse 1, I love this verse. Taking all of that in consideration about the disciples, it's during the Last Supper, and it says, when Jesus knew that this, his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own, those disciples that were in the world, he loved them to the end. All their failures, all the weaknesses, all their disappointments, all the times he had let, they had let him down, he loved them to the end. And if you remember the 13th chapter of John, not only did he say he loved them, he demonstrated it. He picked up a servant's towel. And you know those feet back in those days, they were dusty, they had sandals, they were dirty. The last thing you would want to do is wash someone's feet. It was usually a servant boy or a servant who would wash the feet. But Jesus, showing he loved them, picked up the servant's towel. He washed the feet of the doubter. He washed the feet of the denier. He even tried to wash the feet of Judas, but Judas wouldn't let him. He washed each and every one of those disciples' feet because he loved them to the end. God's love is without limits. He's willing to do whatever it takes to pick up a servant's towel or to die on a cross. Whatever it takes, he loves you to the end. His love is without limit. So many times we try to complicate it. We try to make it more difficult than it really is. 
I, I, I love the theologian from Switzerland, Karl Barth. He had written 13 volumes on church dogmatics. He had written many volumes on theology. And uh, over, they estimate over 6 million words that this man wrote. He visited the United States one time, and he gave a lecture at a university. And after the lecture was done, a student raised his hand and he said, Dr. Barth, how would you summarize all those millions of words that you've written about the Lord, about God, about Jesus? How would you summarize all those volumes of theology? And the crowd was prepared to hear such a profound and, 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 and just amazing answer. And Karl Barth just simply said this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. It's as simple as that. God is love. Can you say that with me? God is love. God is love without condition. God is love without end. God is love without limits. D.L. Moody preached in Chicago. He had, had a huge tabernacle there. And there was a man who was struggling, partially intoxicated, but saw the lights, the glimmering lights in the night of the tabernacle of D.L. Moody's church and stumbled into the church. It was before the service began and no one was there, but above the pulpit was this phrase, God is love. That man looked at that and just got so angry, he marched out of the church, slammed the door, and he said, God isn't love. If God is love, God should love me, and God doesn't love me. God hates me. And he walked away defiant and belligerent. But those words seared into his heart and into his soul, and he decided to come back for the service. And this time as he walked into the tabernacle, thousands of people were gathered here to hear Dr. Moody preach. The man sat in a pew and just listened to the words of Moody. And he just sobbed the whole service. At the end of the service, D.L. Moody was in the back shaking hands like a lot of times Pastor Jeremy and I try to do at the end of our services. And as everyone left, D.L. Moody came back into the church and saw that man just sitting there weeping. And D.L. Moody came up, put his arm around the man, and he said, Sir, can I help you? Is, is there anything I can pray for you? And, and he asked him, he said, What part of my sermon has touched you so? And the man just kind of shook his head and said, Reverend Moody, I didn't even hear a word you said. It's those words. God is love that has just broken me and I need to experience that love. 
If you've never experienced the love of God, he is here. Such love, such wondrous love. Love that will lift you out of the miry clay and set your feet on the rock to stay. The love of God, how measureless, how full. And even if you're a solid believer who's known the Lord all your life, it is always a reminder to know God loves you. God is love. Let's celebrate that love today and every day of our life. Three words that can change your life and change the world. God is love. We're going to celebrate that love of God today through communion. And in the heart of You Are Love Sunday, usually we have the communion elements into the pews, but I thought it would be great for Pastor Jeremy and I to actually serve the the communion elements to you. Because of COVID, we still have the um, kind of the contained ones. These are a little easier to, uh, to, um, to, to navigate and open, we hope. But we want to serve you today to let you know that you are loved, not only by our church, but most of all by God. He loves each and every one of you. And we celebrate that love by remembering his broken body and his shed blood for you today. loves you today, Mark. Loves you guys. Kenny, God loves you, Billy. Dan and Sharon, God loves you. In the Church of the Nazarene, you don't have to be a member of our church to participate in communion. Basically, our church believes very much what the Bible teaches, that if you are in Christ, if you believe in him, if you have accepted his sacrifice, if you have uh, been covered by his blood, you you are able to come to the table and participate in the Lord's Supper today. And uh, we think of this as a holy sacrament, something that Jesus has commanded us to do. Let me just read a little bit about that. The Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and the wine, emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This is his table. The feast is for his disciples. Let all those who have, have had true repentance and forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ unto salvation, draw near and take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember that it is the memorial of his death and passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. Also as a token of his coming again, let us not forget that we are one and at one table with the Lord. And I think of uh, what happened on that night. It says, during this time, we are reminded that the same night 
that our Lord was portrayed. He took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, this is the cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Whenever you think, whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. So let's do that together. If you will, just kind of open the bread. Hopefully it's easier to open for you. On the night of his death, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. I'm reminded that who was whole was broken so that we who are broken could be whole. And that's what Jesus did for us. Let's take this bread in remembrance of Christ today. And then after you've done that, you flip it over and expose the cup. And remember, after dinner, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant of my blood that will be shed for you. And as we look at this cup, remember this as well. That who was full, Jesus, was empty so that we who are empty could be full. And that's what Christ did with the shedding of his blood. Let's take this and do this in remembrance of Christ today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is such a remarkable, remarkable verse because it tells us that even when we were defiant, even when we were rebellious, even when we're living our life in direct conflict with God, he loves us enough to send his one and only son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. When we look at John 3, 16, we should put our name in that word, whosoever. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that Ed Simons, that Chillicothe First Church, that each and every one of us will have eternal life and be saved. Help us today to realize that in our lives. Lord, we're so thankful for your love. We can never repay you for the love you've given us. But Lord, let us live lives of love to show the world what true love is, a precious treasure, something that is priceless, that is beyond measure, because it comes from you and you alone. We love you, God, and we're so thankful that God is love. In your name we pray. Amen. Go in peace, live in victory, share God's love with others, and happy Valentine's Day. You are loved. God bless you.